0: Let's get right into our message this morning. As you can see on the screen, we're continuing on. This is message number three in our series entitled, Weigh Down, Let Go and Let God. And, and what we're doing is we're talking about excess weight. Now, this is not weight in the physical sense uh, because I would you know, I would be very depressed because you know, the older I get, that 20 pounds turns into 25 pounds. And it seems like it's easier to put it on than it is to take it off. And, and so... We're not talking about physical weight loss. We're talking about spiritual weight loss. How to run our race unencumbered or un, uh, with, without obstacle. And so, uh, my text this morning, Matthew chapter six, uh, I'm going to be talking about worry. How many's ever worried before? Yeah. I was worried about that. <laughs> no. Matthew chapter six. Uh, let's look at verse 25. Very familiar. Most of us know it well. These are red words. Okay. They're in red, and you ought to read them. It said, therefore, I say to you, do not worry. Everybody say, do not worry. do not worry. About your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and, uh, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubic to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not, will he not much more clothe you O you of little faith, therefore do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knows. I like that. He knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all, everybody say "all." all, all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. May the Lord add His blessing to His Word this morning. Now let me just say, last Sunday uh, I began talking about weight loss, okay? Spiritual weight loss, things that we need to cast aside. Remember, writer of Hebrews says that we are to run our race. And, and, and again, I marvel at the technology today. I, uh, uh, if you look at people that run track and field events, they... They, they strip down to the bare essentials to run. Why do they do that? Because they don't want to be encumbered by anything. I swim a little bit. I, I, every once in a while, I go through this phase where I like to swim. And at one time, I was swimming about two miles three times a week. It took me about an hour to swim two miles. And in fact, one of our Speed the Light fundraisers that I never got around to a few years back was I was going to swim Lake Pat as a as a fundraiser. And uh, I just never got into it. There's some creepy things down in that water. And I thought, I'd... no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but I enjoy swimming. And, and I was amazed at some of the technology that has gone into the fabric of a swimsuit. They, they spend a lot of money and a lot of research to, to find clothing, fabric, that has the least friction so that they can move through the water effectively and efficiently. And I thought, you know what, if they do that about something as natural as swimming, then how much more should we pay attention to those things that encumber us, that slow us down, that create that friction of life that stops us from running the race that we've been called to run. Now, last week I talked about the very first weight uh, was, was forgiveness, how that we have so many people walking in unforgiveness today. Uh, you know, you've been, uh, so let me ask you, how did you do? Were you able to walk in unforgiveness this week? I hope so. You've been locked in the house for four days. You should, you should, be, you should be okay with that, right? Again, you've got you to understand the Christian life is a, it's not a sprint. It's not, it's not to see who gets there the fastest. It's a marathon. It is an endurance race. That's why the Bible says we're to run our race with what? Endurance or patience, It's a long-term thing. I look across the congregation this morning, and we have people that have been walking with the Lord for 50, 60 years plus. Listen, you can't do that unless you're committed to the long haul. You're not able to do that. You're not a flash in the pan. There's so many people today that make an emotional decision that's just a flash in the pan, but they don't endure. It's like Damas. I said it last week. Damas had forsaken the... Uh, He said, "Damas has forsaken me, Paul did, because he loved this present world. He was a flash in the pan, and he withered away. We have to run with patience, and forgiveness, I said, was so important, because forgiving others is vital to your spiritual well-being. If you carry around and harbor unforgiveness and resentment in your heart, it will eat you alive from the inside out. You will be miserable, and it will destroy uh, your life. So we've got to get rid of that. So this morning, as we continue with our weight loss, as I said, we're going to talk about worry this morning. Now, unforgiveness I mentioned last week was probably, the reason I started there was probably it is the most common excess weight among believers. But worry is either tied for or a very close second. Again, how many of us have ever worried about anything? And the reality is we all do. We worry about our worry. We worry because worry is wrong, so we worry about worrying so much. I mean, that's the quagmire, right? That's, that's where we are. That's the quagmire is because we get so consumed to worry about things. Let me ask you this. Have you ever had a time in your life when you were so overwhelmed with things that you could not sleep? I mean, you, you go to bed at night. How many know your brain never shuts down? You worry about your business. You worry about your kids. You worry about your grandkids. You worry about the finances. You worry, you worry about everything. So you go to bed. And just and so on Wednesday nights, and I used to do this all the time, but I mean on Wednesday nights I still do. I pray when we have the benediction, when we leave the service, I pray that we have sweet rest. I do that on purpose. Because our brains are constantly running around, uh, uh, just, just spending all the time replaying everything that's happened to us. Every scenario, every situation that we've endured, we play it over and over and over Again, so have you, ever, have you ever had one of those times, a sleepless night? We toss and we turn. How about this? Have, you, have there been times in your life that you were so preoccupied with a problem that you could not even function? Listen, worry can be a very debilitating thing. You sit at your office desk, your cubicle. You sit there. You're trying to focus on your assignment. You're trying to focus on your work. But because you are consumed with all of these things, you're not productive. You sit there typing the same memo over and over and over again because you never can get through with it, because you're consumed with worry. Have there been issues in your life that that seem to dominate every waking moment? If, 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 If you say yes to any of these, then you understand the negative power of worry. If you've lost sleep at night because you've worried about something, you understand the negative power of worry. If you've sat at your desk staring blankly at a screen because you were were immobile, immobilized because of worry, you understand the negative power of worry. If you think about something when you go to bed, you wake up thinking about something, you understand the negative power of worry. We all worry. In fact, we all worry a lot. And don't you hate it when somebody gets up and says, you tell them what's going on in your life and they say something like this, "Well, well, don't worry about that. You hate that, right? Ooh, no, don't worry. Be happy. You know, we don't like somebody tell us not to worry. That song didn't go very far because nobody wants to hear it. Because <laughs> we like to worry. I love what Chuck Swindoll said. He, he said this about worry. He said, worry is the universal addiction. I think that's a pretty good description Worry is the universal addiction it's like the old saying that worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere right that's a pretty good statement. Max Lucado tells a story about a, a man that decided he wanted to hire somebody to do all of his worrying for him and so he put out a job uh, description and a, jo- a notice of a job and, and sure enough, a man applied for the job and he was hired, and the man told him, he said, now I'm going to pay you $200,000 a year to do my worrying for me. The guy agreed to the terms and accepted the job. And then he asked his boss, he said, now, now I just got one question. Where are you going to get the $200,000 a year? He said, well, that's your worry.' <laughs> you know, as nice as it seems to, and might sound to have someone do all of our worrying for us, Worrying is not something that you can pass on to somebody else. You ever notice that? Now, now I will tell you that if you are a, 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 a habitual worrier, you model that in front of your children, and they will become worriers because of what you modeled. But you don't just pass it on. That's not something you can pass on to somebody else. I, I, you know, I've heard it said in the Bible, and I've never really verified this, but I have no reason to really doubt, but it's, they, I was told or I've heard most of my life. That the two words fear not are found 365 times in the Bible. That's one for each day of the year. You know, when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, they had a, they had a kingdom vocabulary. So 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 go back to the Garden of Eden right before the fall. They had a kingdom vocabulary. And, and, and when man sinned, a new word entered into that vocabulary that was not of kingdom, that was not of a kingdom mindset. Remember when he sinned, the Bible says they hid, and when God came looking for them in the cool of the evening, and and, and finally Adam steps out, God says, hey, um, what's up? That's my paraphrase there, of course. He's like, what's up? Adam said, I hid because I was afraid. A new word entered into the vocabulary of humanity. Prior to the fall, there was no need to fear. Another word for fear is worry. There was no need to be worried because God took care of all their needs. God would come down in the cool of the evening. They would have relationship. They would have fellowship, communion with the Father. But now that relationship has been severed, and a new word has entered into the vocabulary, fear. And you know what? Fear has entered into man's spirit. From that time on, worry has been a consummate companion for humanity. Fear became the norm of the, of the day, and even right now, we still battle with fear or with worry. Do we not? I mean, think about it. We fear or we worry about failure. You know, there are a lot of people that sit paralyzed today because they, they fear failure. They worry about, well, what if I get up there and make a fool of myself? Well, what if you do? But we're paralyzed because, well, what if I do that and it doesn't work? Well, what if it doesn't? But we're paralyzed. We fear success. We worry about death. I I, I didn't say this yesterday. I I had an individual I I talked to earlier this week that wanted to come and and honor Dennis Nay yesterday. He said, but I, I I won't be there. He said, I can't go. And I said, why not? He said, I don't like funerals. I said, well, I don't like them either. I said, but that's the reality of life. He said, I just get this weird feeling there. And I said, you know, I said, the thing is, funerals are not the end. I said, death, death isn't the end. I said, there, there is eternity. Death is just a doorway that leads us to one of two destinations. And, and, and he just couldn't bring himself to come because he said, I just don't like the feeling. See, most of us fear death. We, don't, we worry about our own mortality when we shouldn't. We fear, and then I could put a blank, and you could add anything in there. We worry about our children. We worry about our grandchildren. We worry about our parents. We worry about our finances. We worry about our jobs. we worry, And on and on and on it goes, just about everything we worry about. So let's unpack worry for just a few moments this morning. So let's start with the problem of worry. Why is worry such an excessive weight that we unnecessarily uh, carry around? Well, number one, worry robs us of our joy. The Bible says in Nehemiah that the joy of the Lord is our strength. But when I'm consumed with worry, it robs me of my joy. In fact, I love what Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 15, verse 13. He said, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. He goes on and says, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now notice that. May the God God of hope fill you with what? With joy and peace. How? As you trust in Him. See, there's a big difference there. See, God wants to fill us with His joy. He wants to give us a peace. Now, understand the joy that He's talking about is a supernatural impartation of a joy that the Bible describes is unspeakable. That means it's not comprehensible, the joy that we have. You know, I look at my wife over here, and I risk her being joyful (laughs) let me put it that way but but when she had her stroke you you, there was a choice that you could get mad and upset for the lot of life or and this is an impartation of joy right here there's no explanation why she laughs the way she laughs (laughs) and I and I if I keep messing with her you're going to hear it in a minute That he wants to give us a joy that's inexplicable. But then he says, and peace. What is peace? It's peace. It's, it's not the cessation of conflict and strife and turmoil. It's not the absence of all that stuff. Peace is that inner tranquility that says, you know what, in the midst of my storm, there's still a peace speaker that says everything's going to be all right. Amen. God wants to give us a peace that surpasses all understanding. That's what God wants to do. But when we worry... We become preoccupied with the what-ifs of life. And you know what? If you get hung up on the what-ifs, you can play that until Jesus comes. What if this? What if that? Corey Ten Boone said it like this, Worrying doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. And that's a pretty powerful statement. So number one, worry. worry robs us of our joy. Number two, worry makes us unproductive. It makes us unproductive. Again, how many people have been paralyzed because they have been consumed about what if? What could go wrong? The Psalm 127 verse 2 says it like this, In vain, again, this is, In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Now here's what the psalmist does. He's trying to picture a person that is so worried about the basics of life that he spends all of his days working and all of his nights worrying. Doesn't that describe modern man? We, we, we're so consumed. We, again, and I think part of our, uh, it's part of the enemy's plan. The Bible says we have an adversary, right? I think it's part of his plan because we've been driven so much, and particularly in Western culture, to consumerism and materialistic things that we, we, we get ourselves, and I'm just going to say it like this, overextended. And we worry about making enough money to pay for the things that we bought that we really didn't need. Yes. Amen. What's the old saying? We, we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. And then we worry about how we're going to pay for it. Amen. Again, that, that's, that's this right here. He, the psalmist pictures this person that is worried and working himself to death and then worrying all night about it. God says all of that worrying is in vain. It doesn't accomplish anything. And so God wants to take our worries away and give us rest. He wants to give us rest. Number three, worry shows a lack of trust. Whew. That's tough. Worry shows a lack of trust. I love what Isaiah writes in Isaiah 26, 3, one of my favorite passages. It says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is steadfast on you. Why? Because he trusts in you. Did you see the cause and effect there? Because I trust in him, he will keep me in perfect peace. Because I'm focused on him, he will keep me in perfect peace. That's that cause and effect. I get peace, why? Because I trust in him. When we, listen, we can't trust God and worry at the same time. Somebody asked me, how do you do all that you do? Take care of your wife and uh, take care of everybody else. How do you do all of that? I keep my mind on him. I keep my mind on him. Because if not, the cares of life will overwhelm anybody. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. When we trust God, here's the thing, we don't have to worry about anything else. We really don't. Here's some of the statistics I found on worrying. Forty percent of what we worry about never comes to pass. Forty percent of what we worry about never comes to pass. Thirty percent of what we worry about happened in the past and can't be changed. Ten percent of what we worry about relates to our health, which is kind of ironic because people tell us worrying negatively affects our health. So I'm worried about my health, but my worrying about my health is causing my health to be worrisome. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> 8% of what we worry about is legitimate. Think about that. Only eight, 92% of everything that consumes our waking moment, our sleeping moments, is inconsequential. Only 8% of it is legitimate, but even then, worrying won't change it. Worrying won't change it. Jesus understood that worrying is the universal human struggle, and so he's very emphatic when he says not to worry. Again, it's a, it's, a, it's a declarative statement, very emphatic, when he said, do not worry. And specifically, Jesus said, you're not to worry about what? About your life. Don't worry about your life. I think he's hinting at one of the major problems with worry. At the end of the day, it's my worries, my anxieties. It's all about me. Isn't, it, isn't that true? At the end of the day, all of our worries are about us. It's about us. It's about my world, my desires my longings, my stuff. Worry is me-centered. That's why it's such a heavy thing. It's me-centered. The worry that Jesus speaks about in our text has, it knows nothing of self-sacrifice. It knows nothing of laying down one's rights for the good of others. It knows nothing of sacrificial living for the kingdom of God. It knows nothing of delayed gratification for something in the future. Boy, there's a, There's a term right there that this generation needs to hear. Delayed gratification. It's all me-centered. Listen, your worry will not make your loan go through. Your worry will not make your marriage better. You got to do more than just worry about it, right? Your worry will not cure cancer. Worrying about it won't do it. Our worry will not pay the bills. (laughs) Jesus said, your worry is useless. So that's the problem with it right there. So what's the solution? See, I love this about the Bible, is He doesn't just present issues. He tells us how to solve them. I mentioned this at the the memorial service yesterday. The thing I love about Christianity is God doesn't just, you know, we don't just get saved and God says, now go do the best you can and leave us to fend for ourselves. He doesn't do that. He empowers us to walk as, victor, as victors and as more than conquerors. So what's the solution? Well, Jesus commanded his disciples not to worry about anything. Here, here are the top four categories of what we worry about. We worry about relationships, about work, about finances, and about health. Those are the top four things that people worry about. If you're married, you know what you do? You worry about your wife, you worry about your husband. If you're single, you worry about finding a husband or finding a wife right? Come on now, I'm telling you the truth. we got people that absolutely are miserable because they're wanting to find a husband or a wife. Let, let him take care of that. But we worry about it. We, if you're a parent, you worry about your children. I mean, my goodness, you can't even watch Tom and Jerry anymore on TV. <laughs> Some of the young people are like, what? <laughs> yeah, I know, I'm dating myself. But as a parent, you worry about your children. You worry about what they're growing up and being exposed to in this generation. So you worry about your children. If you're a grandparent, you worry about your children, and now you add to it your grandchildren. It just goes on and on. We worry about our work. Will my job be there until I retire? We worry about our finances. Here's the thing that's a common denominator for a lot of people, rich or poor. Finances consume a lot of our mental health. It consumes a lot of our mental health. Jesus said, don't worry about our physical needs. Why? Because we have a Heavenly Father who cares for us. If you don't get anything else I say this morning, hear that. You have a Heavenly Father who cares immensely for you. How much does He care? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's how much He cared. Can't care any more than that. Jesus Talking, and I can picture this in my mind. Jesus is there talking to these people. And he said, Don't worry about your life. And he's going through these things, and then he looks up and he sees he's an opportunist. I love how Jesus takes the moment and just uses it to illustrate. He's talking to these people, and all of a sudden he looks up and he says, You know what? See that bird up there? You see the birds in the air? They don't they don't occupy themselves with all of these peripheral things. He said, you know, the point being, God is not just a God way up there, okay? He's our Heavenly Father who's with us right here to take care of us. If He, if he takes care of the birds, He'll certainly take care of us. And then He's standing there, and again, I, I, I see Jesus as an opportunist as He's standing there, and He looks up and He sees the birds, He's like, okay, well, look at that, all these birds. these birds that flying around that at a moment's notice could fly in front of your car, and boom, He's gone. He said, "You know what? I don't mean to be gross. I don't mean it like that. But Jesus is just like, look, look at that. And then again, as he is talking, he kind of glances down and says, oh, look at there. You see those flowers of the field? How many's ever? Listen, I love springtime. I love, I love the the enormity of colors, the arrays of nature. You know, I I, I told the early service that one of the things I really I love tulips. I love the beauty of tulips. Sheila and I when we were stationed in Germany." Uh, there's a place in Holland called the Kuchenhof, world-famous tulip place. And one of, one of our favorite trips was we went to the Kuchenhof during the springtime and saw tulips as far as the eye could see of every color you could even imagine, many colors you couldn't even imagine. Just so beautiful. And, and, and again, how many of us have flowers in our flower beds? And we, we, How many of us have ever dr- driven down the back roads of country roads looking at the blue bonnets? You know, if you see blue bonnets, I, I, I was over in Athens one time, or close to Athens, and, and, and the fields of blue bonnets that looked just like water, just so pretty. And, and again, I picture Jesus standing there talking to these people, and He's already pointed out the birds, and He looks down and said, oh, by the way, see the, see the flowers of the field, how they grow? You know, they're not toiling, and they're not spinning. You know, their clothes are better than Solomon. Solomon, with all of his bling, can't even compare to a flower that's here today and gone tomorrow. That's powerful. You know what Jesus is employing right there is, a, is a, uh, uh, what they call lesser to greater argument. And, and so what it, it goes something like this, If God, the lesser to greater. So if God takes care of the birds of the field that are here one moment and splattered on the car the next moment, if He clothes the grass of the field that's beautiful today and withered away tomorrow, the lesser things then how much more will he take care of us who are the greater things? He said, aren't you much more valuable than they? Again, the lesser, to greater. If God's going to take care of these, the minutiae of these little things here, then God will take care of the greater things. You who have been created in the image and likeness of God, he's going to take care of you. And yet he said, why do you worry about all of this stuff? Listen, the solution to worry is to counter the negative thoughts with faith-filled thoughts uh, again change our perspective so to lose the weight of worry the next few minutes let me give you a couple things to lose that excess weight of worry the first thing we need to do is recognize god's presence he's always with us i like that david writes in psalm 23 4, uh, uh 23 verse 4 says even though i walk through the deep dark valleys of life i don't fear why his presence His presence. He's with me. I like that. Because you know what? Sometimes life has its deep, dark valleys. Sometimes life has the curveball that we can't hit. Or the knuckleball. Life has those unexpected sinkholes or potholes or just those things that out of the blue, boom! And the life is altered. He said, you know what? When you go through those things... Remember His presence. Now, now, listen, we all know this, right? I mean, from a theoretical point of view, we all understand this. In fact, most of us here probably could quote or, or come close to quoting some scripture that tells us that He's with us. But in our daily walk, is that fleshed out? Is that how we live on a daily basis, knowing that I'm walking in the presence of the Lord every single day, that He's with me always? In the good days... And in the difficult days, he's still with me. You know, many people live their life as though they're, (coughs) pardon me, they're all alone over here, and God is somewhere way over here, sometimes paying attention and sometimes not paying attention. That's not the God of the Bible. Listen, if that's the way you live your life, as though you're over here all by yourself, handling all life issues, and God's way over here, twiddling his thumbs, looking at somebody else, then no wonder you're worried and on edge. I mean, who wouldn't be? If I have to shoulder the responsibilities of life, the burdens of life, then I'm going to be a very miserable person. The cares of life that press in. The Bible says it again and again and again, that God is with us, not over there, but right here, right now. I love that. That's why I love that song. In the land of the living, not in the sweet by and by, but in the nasty now and now, we will see the goodness of the Lord. He's promised to be with us. God spoke these words to Moses, and I think they would be appropriate for us today. Exodus chapter 33, he said, My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. What does he mean? Stop worrying. Count on my presence. You know, uh, when you're tempted to worry, remind yourself that God is with you. Remind yourself that God is with you. He's not over yonder, over there, over there. (laughs) Do a military song. He's not in the distance somewhere. He's right here. I think it would be a good habit throughout the day. Again, just to train. How many you know that sometimes we get locked into patterns of thought and behaviors? Yes. Habits, we call them. Yes. You know, I think it would be a great idea throughout the day. You can start it today. You can start it tomorrow. It's, it's throughout the day when you, when you think about it. Say, you know what? Thank you, Lord, for being with me today. I welcome your presence into my life, into my workplace, into my Consumerist place, you know, if you're shopping, whatever you're doing, just periodically, throughout the day, in the squad car, <laughs> invite the presence of the Lord in there that day, that moment when you think about it, just throughout the day, just a constant reminder that He's always with. You know, at some point you'll start believing that He is. When you start reminding yourself over and over and over again that He's with you. He will be with you, and you'll be reminded of that. I love Paul writing to the Romans in chapter 8. He says, he asked this question, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulate? And he goes through all of these things, gives all these examples, and then he goes on and he says this, For I am persuaded that neither height nor depth. See, are you persuaded today that no matter what comes your way, that He's still with you? Again, it's easy to think about it here scripturally. Theor- theoretically, it's awful hard to sometimes to live it out fleshly. Yeah. Yeah. He said, I'm persuaded. And he gives another list of things that he's persuaded that can't stop the love of God. And he says, shall, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Recognize his presence. He's with us all the time. He's here to stay. How many ever, ever had a friend that turned her back on you? Yeah, or somebody in your life that turned their back on you. Yeah, I mean, most people. He won't. I love that song. He won't fail. He's my firm foundation. The rock on which I stand. He won't fail. Others will let you down. Others will betray you. Others will stab you in the back. But he won't do that at all. Bank on his presence. Recognize his presence. Number two, recognize God's purpose. What do I mean by that? There is no such thing as random for a believer. This is touchy, but but it's the reality. Paul, again, writing to the Romans in chapter 8, we know it well, verse 28, says, And we know all things work together for good. Didn't say everything that happens would be good. He said all things work together for good to them who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. We have to understand there is no such thing as random. You know, when we, live, when we give our life to Jesus Christ, He becomes our master potter. He begins to mold us into His masterful design, the masterpiece that He's destined every one of us to become. He, di- he does that. He designs and He directs the details of our lives so that we can become the person He created us to be. What does that mean? It means God's at work. God's at work in our lives, and He can take the things that were meant to do us in and turn them around into something spectacular for His glory. In the early service this morning, we had Glenda Thacker with us. If you know anything about her story, one day I need to get her to share it. Some of you remember a few months back, she had a, a major stroke, and they care flighted her from here to Fort Worth. When she gets to Fort Worth, they tell Joel that, there was no hope and to pull the plug. That's what they told him. He said, Well, I don't want to do that right now. We're going to pray about it. She said over here this morning. Amen. See, God is able to take those things that turn that that are meant to do us in and turn them around for his glory. Amen. So understand that there are things that happen in life that have nothing to do with us, everything to do with His glory. I look here at Terry, and you know, Terry, I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, Terry's had many incredible moments with the Lord, and some, some of you, I don't have time to tell the whole story, but he went with me on a mission trip to, how long ago was that? You remember? About six, yeah, a long time ago, about 16 years ago, we were in Jamaica working at an orphanage, and Terry's, and we're up on the side of a, the Blue Mountains. You've ever heard of Blue Mountain Coffee? That's where we were. We are up in the Blue Mountains. Terry's on top of the roof. We are putting on a, a new roof. A hurricane had come through, tore the roof off of the uh, orphanage there. And uh, so Terry's up there. And he steps on a piece of plywood that had not been nailed down. Now, here's the miracle of it. If, if he fell this way, it was about 200 feet down to the first crag or ledge on the side of that mountain. Terry fell this way. But what was bad was there was a picket fence. And I'm watching this as Terry steps on that board. (coughs) As that board lifts, I'm already on my way down the ladder because I see what's happening. He falls, lands on that picket fence. I don't know if you remember much about it or not. He lands on that picket fence. I thought he was dead. I thought he was dead. I'm panicking we're on top of a mountain that has it's one-lane road. There's no ambulance, there's no heli- there's no Medevac. The only thing we could do is we took an old Toyota pickup truck, you know, the little single cab. We shoved a piece of plywood on top of the the well, the wheel well, put Terry on it, had a lady sitting up against the, the back of the cab, stabilizing his head between her legs. I'm on the back end of it, pushing my feet against the side of the vehicle as much pressure as I could to keep everybody in the vehicle as that Jamaican dude drove us down the mountain in in record time. (laughs) And to make a long story short, here he sits today. It, It very well could have been a funeral done 16 years ago. I thought it was. And yet what, and, and that's, what, that's what he's talking about here, that not everything that happens in life is going to be good and grand and celebratory, but even in those moments, God gets the glory when he takes what was designed to do you in and turn it around and make something good come out of it. See, God is at work in our lives. Listen, we all have setbacks. We all have failures. We all sin. But God, <laughs> he specializes in taking the rubbish of this world and the undesirables and the mess-ups, and the broken, and he heals them, he puts them together, and then he builds his kingdom with them. That's the goodness of the Lord. Listen, whenever you find yourself taking a punch, the gut punch, everybody know what I'm talking about? Whenever you find yourself taking a gut punch from life, remember, there is no such thing as random. God has a plan, he has a purpose, and he's working all things together. And because of that, I don't need to worry. Lastly is this. We've got to recognize God's perspective. What does that mean? It means learn to see the big picture. The big picture. I love to fly. I fly quite a bit, have for years. It's interesting because from a linear perspective, when you and I see just the linear, the way that we do, we sometimes wonder, why did they do this and not do that, right? Why why, why did they make make it straight? I often ask that question. Why did they have to make a curve there? See, from my perspective, I don't understand. But if I get above from a new perspective, I see things I didn't see before. I can see obstacles, and I can see challenges, and I can get a different perspective. And, And what I'm saying is worry happens when we live our life as though this moment is all there is. Think about that for a minute. The Bible teaches that this life is not all there is. That's why Jesus would say things like, don't don't lay up treasure for yourself here. What do you tell us to do with it? Send it on. Why? Because this life is not all there is to it. This moment is not all there is to it. See, that's why we need to learn to see the big picture. If you're suffering a setback today or dealing with a disappointment today or some frustration today, listen, it's not the end of the world. And I don't mean to minimize. I'm not trying to minimize what you're going through. I'm just simply saying, don't live for just this moment. Live for eternity. Live for eternity. I love how Paul says this in Romans 8. He said, for I reckon. He's got to be a southerner there. I reckon. He says, for I reckon that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall shall be revealed in us. Did you get that? Your worst day here on planet Earth Won't even be a blip on your radar when you get over there and see all that God has created. The scripture says, I have not seen, you have not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. The worst day you have, and again, I'm not minimizing the pain. I can't stand pain. I'm allergic to pain. My worst day here won't even be a memory when I see all that he's prepared for those who love him. Listen, I don't have to be consumed with worry. Guys, come on back. I don't, have to be wor- I don't have to be worried because God is taking care of us. See, the paradox is in order to live life to its fullest, it's kind of weird. I've got to understand this life is not all there is. C.S. Lewis once time, one time said it like this. He said, I've discovered that the people who believe the most strongly in the next life do the most good in this life. That's perspective. That's perspective. Listen. What I want to say this morning: Don't worry. Don't get worried. Don't don't be consumed by who's going to be voted off the island. Who's going to be voted off the voice? Who's not going to get a rose in the ceremony? No. I, I know. I went from preaching to meddling right there. I know. <laughs> Listen. That, don't get bent out of shape when the worry, when the when the waiter gets the order wrong. Listen, people that. You don't worry about it. Take life as it comes. Roll with it. Don't live for just this moment. Let me. Add, do you want to eliminate a significant portion of worry from your life? Then learn to see your issues as trivial compared to the greatness of our God. I'm not saying your problems are trivial. That's not what I'm meaning. I'm saying when you measure the issues that you're dealing with, with the immensity of our God, it's a trivial thing used to be a song back in the 70s that went something like this. He's a great big God looking after little old me. Amen. It's true. The Bible tells us about the deep life, the abundant life that's ours in Christ, filled with joy and meaning and purpose and fulfillment. Worry won't take us there. Worry won't give you the victorious life. Worry won't give you joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. Worry won't give you peace that surpasses all understanding. Worry won't heal a broken heart. It won't do any of that. So today, we can toss aside this debilitating weight and run without worry and without anxiety. We don't have to be a prisoner. In fact, some of you, many of you last week came up here and wrote down names of, of, of issues that you needed for, uh, to release, unforgiveness, things that were going on. You wrote them down. They're gone. I pray you live your life that way. They're gone. Well, this morning, I want to do the same thing. If you're here today, in just a moment, they're going to be singing, and I'm just going to ask you to come, and I want you to take, again, we've got cards and pens all across the the platform here. Write down what you're worried about. You don't have to sign it. Just write down what you're worried about. Take a moment and say, Lord, today I give you my worry. I give you my fear. And then release it. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We take on burdens that were never intended for us and then we worry about them. I'm saying this morning is, you know what, if you want to be free from that, go ahead and say, God, I'm giving you this. And you, you know what, if you need two or three cards, go ahead, fill them up. Write down what you're worried about and then leave it here. Don't take those things out because you know what, like the song said, he won't fail you. So are you willing today to let go and let God handle those things for you? Give him, listen, give him your worries. And let him give you his peace. Think about that. That's the great exchange right there. God stands here today, says, my child, give me your worries. You give him your worries. And he says, now here, take my peace. It is a peace that transcends understanding. Does that mean that your life is going to be better tomorrow? Not necessarily. But it means you don't have to shoulder the responsibility anymore. Let him have it. Would you stand with me this morning? Are these timely words? Are they hitting us good? The weight loss series? Listen, he wants us free. And I love what the Bible says, whom the Lord sets free is free indeed. So as they sing this morning, if you're here today and you've got worry, you've got things you're worried about, Again, there's no harm in it. Again, one of the, the first steps to recovery is to admit, hey, i got some things that are consuming me. If you toss and turn at night, if you stress about things, if it's consuming your, 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 your thought patterns, you worry. Go ahead and write it down. and Say, Lord, I'm giving you this. I'm releasing it to you today. And you might have to remind yourself tomorrow when you start worrying about what you wrote down today, you've got to remind yourself, you know what? I gave that to God yesterday. I'm not worried about it. He's promised to take care of me. You know what? He's not failed me yet. Most of you know, when I, when I started pastoring this church, I was bi, what they call bivocational. I worked for the city of Irving. Had a great career in the city. Started out as a low man on the totem pole. Within five years, I'd moved up to lead inspector there in the health department. Had a great trajectory in civil service. Pastoring church, doing great. But the church had started growing, and I got to the point where the church needed a full-time pastor to handle everything that was going on. And my wife and I had that struggle of deciding, do I give up what I know is a lucrative career, great benefits, and pursue the call that God had on my life? And, 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 and if you've ever done that, you understand it's a struggle. I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. And I remember God telling me this. As I packed up my office put all my belongings in a box, set them in the back of my car, and I drove out for the very last time from the city hall there in Irving. And I'm watching in the rearview mirror as that city hall grew smaller and smaller and smaller. I had the devil on one side saying, you idiot, you're going to get up there one day and you're going to say something wrong and half the people are going to walk out the church and then what are you going to do? Again, the fickleness of people, he understands, right? Church splits happen over some dumb stuff. But that devil's up there telling me, you know what, you made a mistake. You're going to regret this. Your family's going to suffer because of it. But you know what? God began to speak to me. And he said, Mike, if you'll follow me, I'll take care of you all the days of your life. That was in 1996. And he's not failed me yet. I'm, I'm just telling you. You can lay off the worry. You can lay off the anxiety. You can lay aside the fear and trust in him and he'll give you peace. So as they sing this morning, if you're worried about, he told Martha, Martha, you're worried about many things. Get rid of that and focus on the one thing. Go ahead.
1: Christ is my firm foundation.
0: Hey Amen. It's open. Come on down. Write them down. This is your the time.
1: Rock on which I stand.
0: There's something Everything therapeutic about writing it down.
1: Me I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus. Because he's never let me down faithful through generation. So why would he fail now? He won't. He won't. I've still got joy
0: some specific things so I'm going to what I'm going to do is I'm going to just say a couple things and this is our our benediction if you're wondering I'm going to close it like this but if you're here today and and you're worried again many of you wrote down things and and I tell you what instead of tearing these things up here's what I want to do some of you were here last week when I talked about our intercessors getting back to the prayer room interceding I'm going to take these because you shouldn't have written your name on them uh, and we're going to put him in there for our intercessors to be in prayer about. We've got a prayer room right back here and starting in a couple of weeks we're going to have our intercessors praying during the service uh, while things, We I listen, I want him to do what he wants to do. It's not my agenda, it's his. But if you're here today and, and so I'm going to close out with this, I'm, first the area I'm going to pray for, if you're here today and you're worried about finances and that could be needing a job, needing uh, maybe, maybe had an unexpected bill or something break down, and and you need you've got a financial need and you're worried about it. How about slip your hand up? I want to pray. I want to pray. Listen, no 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 reason to be embarrassed by it. It's right up, right back down. Just, slip. yeah, yeah. That remember that's one of the top four areas of concern right there, is finances. Father, right now, Lord, you see every hand that went up in the building right now, Lord, you see the worry that consumes them about money and about finances. Lord, your economy is not subject to the Dow, the NASDAQ, the stock market of any any form or fashion. Lord, you own the cattle on a thousand hills, the hills itself. All the gold belongs to you and all the silver belongs to you. So Father, today, we take that worry of finances and we place it on you. We cast that burden of worry about our, res- our, our, our resources and, and Lord we give it to you. Lord you have revealed yourself in your word as Jehovah Jireh the provider. Yahweh Jireh the providing God. Lord we pray that today that you would just give us a supernatural peace that Lord you're going to take care of us financially. That you're going to meet every need. God take that worry and that anxiety off of us right now. Now I'm going to ask if you're here and you've got health issues, maybe there's some medical things that are going on and you're worried about your health. You're worried about a report, a doctor's report, uh, a test that's coming up. If that's you, slip your hand up. You're worried about some health issues. Yeah, there are hands that went up. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray, Lord, you've revealed yourself again as Jehovah Rapha, our healer. Lord, I pray for every hand that went up today and everyone online today that is concerned about their health. Lord, maybe they've got an unfavorable report. Maybe they're facing a a test of some sort. Lord, you are our healer. And Lord, we declare healing in the house today. Lord, I pray that that infirmity, that sickness, that mental health issue, Lord, that disease, Lord, it must bow to your Lordship. Lord, we pray healing in the name of Jesus lord i pray for emotional health emotional healing lord heal the wounds of the heart lord as only you can today lord take that worry and that anxiousness and that fear lord and we cast it off on you lord give us wholesome thoughts and well thoughts and we declare it in jesus name if you're here this morning and you've got issues with relationships you got struggle maybe it's a husband wife relationship maybe it's a friend a parent child relationship But there's some strain in a relationship. If that's you, I want you to slip your hand up. Yeah, right there. Yeah, a lot. Amen. Father, right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, you've given to the church the ministry of reconciliation. And you've told us as much as it depends on us to be at peace with all people. So, Father, I pray for every hand that went up in the building today, that strained relationship. Lord, I pray that you begin the work right now to reconcile, to heal that wound, that fracture, that fragmented relationship, that husband to the wife and the wife to the husband. Lord, the parents to the children and the children to the parents. Heal that rift. Heal that conflict. Lord, we pray for friends' relationships. Lord, heal the hurt, the disappointment, the unmet expectations. Heal those things, remove them from us. We cast the worries of all of those off on you because you care for us. Lord, we release that burden right now, Lord, because your yoke is easy and your burden is light. We take that off and we give it to you. Father, we thank you for it. Last thing I want to pray for this morning. How many today would say, you know what? I'm, I'm worried about my job. I need a job. I'm worried about my job running out, playing out. If that's you, slip your hand right right back down. One more time, I'm going to pray. Amen. Amen. Father, today I pray. Lord, again, you are our caregiver. You take care of us. And you tell us not to worry. Lord, you know what we have need of before we even ask it. But Lord, right now we're asking. Lord, we're worried about a job. We're worried about the job playing out. We're worried about the job not paying enough. Lord, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed begging bread. And so, Father, I pray that you go ahead of us and make the crooked way straight. Provide supernaturally the job that is needed. Lord, lead to that place. Lord, it didn't catch you off guard that we lost the job. It hasn't caught you off guard that we're not employed yet. Lord, connect the dots. Let us trust in you, Lord. May we be at peace because our mind is stayed upon you because we trust you. Lord, open the doors that need to be open and close the doors that need to be closed. Father, we just take the worry and the stress and the anxiety off of us and we lay it on you and we declare victory in all things. Lord, take us out of here today walking in complete victory and not worried about anything because we are cared for by our Heavenly Father. I love and bless each one now in the mighty name of Jesus. We all said, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us online. I'll see you next time. Amen. Amen.
1: Huh? Christ is my firm foundation. The rock on which I stand. For everything around me. Thank He won't fail